in a new year. Uh, It's entitled The Five Pillars of the Church. One of the things that's important for me, one of the things I think is a powerful reason that God created the church is that every week we take a day and we focus our hearts on who God is. We focus our hearts on who we are. And we look at where we've gone and where we're going. And I think it's important for us because life moves quickly. Life is busy. Life is full of challenges and obstacles. Uh, life can be overwhelming. It can take up all of our, our focus. And I think it is vital for us as children of God, those who know Jesus as our Savior, to stop and reflect on who God is. Reflect on who we are in light of that and to look at where we're going. And so today, we're going to begin uh, to look at what are the five pillars. Now, I believe Jesus is the cornerstone. I believe Jesus is the foundation. And so here at First Baptist Port Orange, we believe, we have uh, come together and, and made a commitment that Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is what we build on. He is the most important uh, thing above all other things is our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in that, we build And so we're going to look at five pillars as we begin a new year. What are the five things that we want to build into the life of the church, into our own lives that will make us healthy and will make us obedient to what we've been called to as as God's children and as his church. And so as we begin, I want you to think about what is your life's purpose? Have you ever considered your life's purpose? Why do you exist? Why did God put you on this planet? What is your purpose in life? For many, their job is their purpose. They're defined by their job. Um, I've had the fortune to do uh, many funerals, and I quickly have realized that people are defined by certain things, and many people are defined by their jobs. Uh, Others, their purpose would be their family. They're a mother, they're a father, they're a grandfather, they're a grandmother. That has become their purpose in life. Some would say surviving, just making it another day. Just keep moving forward. Surviving becomes your purpose. Uh, Pleasure. We live in a unique part of the country. We live in uh, a place that a lot of people come to find pleasure. And so when we drive up and down the streets, I was reminded, uh, going up and down Daytona, just that there is pleasure. That is, part, that, is a, that is an option for people to seek out as their life, of life's purpose. And then maybe this morning, as you think about this, you just don't know. You've never really thought about it. What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Why are you on this planet? As I was thinking about this and, and studying for it, um, I came across the, the soldiers, the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment. Uh, they are the regiment that guards the tomb of the unknown soldiers. Uh, the, this is in Arlington. This exists to guard and to remember the soldiers of our wars that we could not uh, remember who they were. They were, they were lost. They were uh, those who fell in, in war that their memory, uh, who they were, has been lost. And so we want to remember those that gave their lives. Well, these soldiers, um, they are committed to guarding this. In 1937, they decided that it would be important because people had been picnicking and people would come and have casual events here at this site and they wanted to honor it and they wanted it to be respected. And so they put an armed soldier on duty. And since 1937, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, It has been guarded by these soldiers. And these soldiers, um, on every hour, they are to be replaced. They are to change shifts. So every hour, this soldier will come in. He will take 21 steps towards the east. 
He will stop and wait for 21 seconds. He will turn, take 21 steps again, stop for 21 seconds. 21 being the highest form of respect, the 21 uh, salute. They do this every day. This has been ongoing since 1937, 24 hours a day, every day of the year. And I look at that and I think they know what their purpose is. Their purpose is well-defined and clear. They are soldiers that have committed themselves, many of them for up to three years, to being on duty, to being part of this. And it is a prestigious position. It is very difficult to get, and yet they're committed to it. It's their life's purpose. It's defined and clear. My prayer for you this morning, my prayer for us, is that we would have clarity in our purpose. That we would not be wandering, but we would be living on purpose, knowing that God has given us a mission directly from him to us. And so that is what we're to look for. What were you created to do? That's my prayer for you to find out. And we're going to look to God's word to find out what he says about this. And so let's precede his word with prayer. Father God, I am so grateful that you did not create us with no purpose. That you were holy and just and righteous and that you created us with those purposes. And Lord, as we look to your word and as we consider these things in our lives, Lord, I pray that they would penetrate our minds, that you would speak directly to us, that we would be transformed, that we would be renewed, that we would understand things in a new way today. Lord, I pray as we talk about our life's purpose that we would not be lied to, that we would not be deceived to believe that we have no purpose and that our lives are a mistake, but understand that you created us and formed us in our mother's wombs on purpose. And so today, help us to understand what that purpose is. Lord, I thank you um, that you have recorded words, that you had men write these things down that are straight from you to us so that we can understand, so that we can live and grow and become what you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why did God create us? Why did God create us? I believe you start in the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we find an answer to that. It's interesting, if you study the book, uh, all 66 books of the Bible, you see that in Genesis, God begins things in Revelation, he ends things, he ties it all up very nicely, it is very organized, it is very uh, complete. And so he, he gives us the reason for our existence. If you have your Bible, or if you'd like to look on the screen, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 and this is what it says you are worthy O lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being do you realize that god is telling us he created us on purpose and he created us for one purpose and that is to worship him to glorify him do you know that you have a created purpose the one created purpose that we all have in this room that everyone that will ever be born has is to worship god did you know that that was your purpose for existing that is the reason god placed us here on earth 
And that in that, in that, there is a, a limitless number of ways we can worship. And yet our one singular focus is to worship God. You've ever thought about your life that you exist to worship God? Like that is why you breathe. That is why your heart beats. That is why you exist, is to worship God because he is worthy of our worship. It is the purpose of our lives. And I believe there's two ways we can worship. I believe we can worship uh, corporately as we are now, and I believe we can worship privately, that we have a personal worship life. And so how should we worship privately? We turn over to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so Jesus is saying, To worship God is to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Now, you may have heard that many times in church. You may have thought of that many times. But what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you to love the Lord your God with all your heart? Is there anywhere in your heart that you do not love God? Is there anywhere in your soul that you do not love God? Is there anywhere in your mind that you do not love God? Because in that private moments, in those private moments when we're called to worship our creator, we're to live into our purpose of worship. We are to love him. Love him means what? To seek after. It means to submit. It means to say, God, I want you to be the whole part of me. All of my emotion, all of my thought, all of who I am, I want it to be of you. This is challenging. I think we can find ourselves at places where we have so much that we're so focused on and so distracted by that we do not love God with all our heart and we do not love God with all our soul and we do not love God with all our mind. And so it is these moments where we come to God and say, please help me, help me to do this. And I believe in Romans chapter 12, it gives us how we're to do this. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I grew up in the church, and one of the things I would hear a lot um, at different churches I've been at is I just, I didn't get anything out of that service. Have you ever heard that before? I just didn't get anything out of that. I think about that statement, and I think about where the root of it is, and it's this idea that church is here to give us something. That God is required to give me something. And I think it reveals a problem. It reveals an issue of our hearts. It reveals an issue of our motives. You see, what I've understood in my own life, and I try to be mindful of this, is that God did not create me to fill me with him. He created me so that I could love him with all that I am. You see, I think of a cup of water, or I filled it with my own stuff, and then I wonder why God can't fill any of it with him. Well, if it's so full of me, how is there space for him? 
Worship, in many ways, when it says, says here that I am to be a living sacrifice, is to take things within me. Take pride and envy and lust and jealousy and rumors and gossip, the things that I allow into my mind, the things I allow into my heart, and I submit them on an offering table to the Lord. I say, I want these to be killed. I want these to be destroyed. I want to take them out of me to produce room so that love can come in and joy can come in and peace can come in and hope can come in. And worship becomes me placing my own sinful desires on an altar that they are sacrificed before the Lord so that then he can fill me up with his truth. If I'm not willing, if I resist when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and says, you must submit these things, sacrifice these things to me, then I'm truly not worshiping the Lord. See what it says here in Romans. It says, this is the true and proper worship. This is the worship that God is looking for. Sacrificial worship. That every day I'm willing to begin the day by saying, God, what is ever, whatever is unpleasing to you, whatever is not righteous and holy, whatever disgraces or, or undermines you, take it from me. I will place it on the altar to be sacrificed to you. So that it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with it leaving you. It doesn't end with you getting over that addiction. It doesn't end with you overcoming your anger. It doesn't end with you dealing with some problem in your life. That is only the beginning. So that you can be filled with the things of God. That is the worship that he desires from us. That is the worship that he desires for us to acknowledge and to live into. That is why when we sing, we don't sing thinking about what, what if I like the song or I like the, the lyric or I like the tune. We sing from our hearts knowing that I'm connecting to the God of the universe. And I want him to come and enter into me and, and whatever is wrong that it would leave and whatever is right I would be filled with so there would be a transformation in my life. This is worship. This is what I am to do privately. It says in Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. When you read that, do you see yourself? I love those who love me. Do you love God? Do you seek God privately in those moments when nobody knows that, they're, that you're even doing it? Do you love God? Can you truly, honestly say to yourself, I love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength? Then I'm willing to sacrifice whatever he calls me to sacrifice, whatever he calls for me to put on the, the table so that he can fill me with his goodness and his holiness and that the Spirit can begin to work within my life and transform me. Do I privately do that? See, this is a beautiful thing. This is one of the most amazing things for us as followers of Christ is that we can have a very clear focus. Every day that you get up, you can have a very clear focus, much like um, those infantry soldiers. That Every day you get up, you know what you're doing. You have these very clear things that you want to do. You say, God, please search me and try me. Please come into me today. And cut out whatever is not good. Cut out whatever needs to be sacrificed. And then fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with those things, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that, that reflect you. Because I want to love you more and I want to seek after you more every day of my life. Amen. Have you plateaued? 
Has it become mundane? We can go to church and we can know truth and it can have no impact on our heart, on our soul, or our mind. It can be something we do and not something we are. Private worship. Worship is the pillar that we're to build our lives on. Private worship is allowed for those who claim the name of Christ. And then how should we worship as a church? John 4, 23, 24 says, Yet at a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. If you've been here before, you've heard at the end of every sermon that I've given since I've been here, I said you must be twice born. You must be born of the Spirit. You have been born of the flesh. You are physically alive. But you must be born through the Holy Spirit of God. You must be Spirit born. And in your Spirit, you worship God. It's an amazing thing to think because God could have said, all I want you to do is worship me with your money. All I want you to do is worship me with your songs. All I want you to do is worship me by studying my word. You know, that just encompasses a very small part of who we are. A song, our money, understanding new things. That's a part of us, but it's not the whole of us. The whole of us is our spirit. It is the thing that will live on past this life. It is the thing that will never die. Your spirit. And so he's looking for us to worship him in spirit. He's looking for us to come together on a Sunday morning and to worship him with our spirits. It's hard to be critical when you're worshiping in the spirit. It's hard to be judgmental when you're worshiping in the spirit. Because when you're in the spirit, you only have one focus, and that's the love of your life, Jesus Christ. When you're worshiping in the spirit... You're not thinking about what's for lunch. When you're worshiping in the spirit, you're not thinking about the problems of your life. You are so focused on the love and gloriousness of God. One of the things I try to do and I find it very helpful is I imagine the heavens opening. I imagine God looking. I imagine Christ being in that moment with me. Because he is. Whether I can see it or not. And that moment of worship is a spiritual worship. And it says this is the kind of worship that God is looking for. He is not looking for a worship that's all exterior. This is, I hope you think I'm good. Look at what I'm giving. Look at what I'm doing. Look how good I can sing. Look how good I can speak. That is all exterior. He's looking at our hearts. He wants authentic spiritual worship. He wants us to come here and be serious about this. This isn't something we do because we've always done it. This isn't something we do because it's a tradition of our culture. This isn't something we do because we think it's a good thing to do. We gather and worship because we understand our worship is in spirit. And what is done in spirit is much larger than it was done in the physical. And it's meaningful and powerful. And it's what we're to build our lives and what we're to build the church on. That true worship that God is looking for. So what were you created to do? What were you created to do? Why do you exist? I believe you exist to worship God by knowing and loving him just a little bit more every day.
What if you made it your life goal that every day of your life you want to know and love God a little bit more? Every day, just a little bit more. I want to know you more, God. I want to love you more. I want to know you in the soul of who I am. I want to love you with everything I have. And if there's something that you hate within me, if there's something that, that you did not desire for me because you know it brings death, help me to be honest. Help me to put that on the, the table of sacrifice. That I may be a living sacrifice. That every day is a day of worship. And I know that I was created for that. I know that that's what I'm here to do. So the first pillar in our church as we begin a new year, the very first pillar is worship. We exist to worship God. This church exists to worship. If we stop worshiping, we need to close the doors and stop gathering. We exist to worship God. You personally exist to worship God in your family, in your work, in your neighborhood. You exist to worship God. And that's the beauty, is that we have a million different ways in which we're going to worship this week. But that's what we're called. That's what we were created to do. And here's the greatest challenge, and this is the challenge I give myself and the challenge I give you. The church needs participants, not spectators. You know, Kitten comes and leads in worship. She's not the only one that's supposed to be worshiping. Mary came and and sang a beautiful song. She's not the only one that's supposed to be worshiping today. Every one of us in this room is to worship. Worship with everything we have. And it can be easy. It can be easy to become a spectator. You know what a spectator does? They spectate. Do you know what you can't do if you're spectating? Participate. Ever thought about that? If I'm spectating, I can say, I don't like that, I like that, I don't like that. That's a 10, that's a 3. That's called spectating. Participating. Participating is action. Participating is using the gifts and abilities that God has given you, the experience that God has given you in the life of the church to help the church grow. Participation is what we've been called to. We've been called to participate together. There are so many ways in which we can participate. So many ways that I've seen you participate over these last months. Whether it's decorating this room, whether it's making the building facility look nicer, whether it's going to bike week and handing out tracks, that's participating. We're beginning a youth ministry because we want to meet the we want to meet kids where they are and lead them to Jesus because we want them to be participators. We want families to be participators. We want people, widows and orphans and those that are lonely and scared to be participators because when you become a participator in the life of the church, you're part of the body of Christ. And you have hope. And you begin to worship with your life and all the people. You know why there's such frustration in the world today? It's not the COVID. It is not the government. It's because we were created to worship God and we're not. People, there will be no answer outside of this. Everyone you know, their frustrations will fall back that they're not living into their created purpose. So what what must we do? We must reach them and encourage them, everyone we possibly can. 
to become a participant, not a spectator. We're not here to spectate. Jesus never said, I saved you, I raised from the dead, so you could be a spectator. He said, I raised from the dead, gave you eternal life, and I'm doing something in you that you can't even explain. And if you're faithful to me and obedient to me, I will use you in powerful ways. Not for your glory, but for mine, for my worship. So this morning, how can we apply this to to our lives? I believe it's vital for all of us to have a private daily worship time. I believe if you don't already set aside time to pray and to read God's word privately, I would encourage you to make that. If you have New Year's resolution, if you're going to say, I have a resolution to make, this is one that you should make, a daily private time of worship, whether it's uh, prayer, studying God's word, singing songs to him. This is what we're called to. And then recognizing that everything you do in a given day is a form of worship or disobedience. What would it look like if our church, if all the churches in the world if everyone in them committed every day to private worship? What would it look like? How would families change? How would neighborhoods change? How would states change? How would the world change if we all committed to private worship? And secondly, I would call us to corporate worship. Yes, we must be mindful of a, a, a disease that is killing people. But we're not to isolate We are to congregate. We are a congregation. We are the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is divided, it will die. We must come together. Be unified in Christ. Corporate worship is vital to all of our spiritual lives. And so I'd encourage you this morning, if you haven't already made this decision for 2021, make a commitment this year to worship with us. You know, if you're not here, you're missed. If you're not here, you're missed. And I hope you feel missed. And I hope you miss being here if you're not here. We don't gather because it makes us feel better or because we do it, we feel guilty if we're not here. We do it because this is what we're created to do, is worship together as a body of believers. And so for any of this to work, we must be twice born, Is there a time in your life that you became alive spiritually? Does the Holy Spirit of God dwell within you? Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit today? If you're not, this is what we are called to do. If we are not there, we are to confess, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and we're to believe that Jesus is Lord. He has died on a cross for my sins. He rose again. And in this, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And then we can truly worship him. Would you make a covenant to worship regularly in 2021, whether that's privately or corporately? Would this be a pillar of your life? Would you make this a pillar of your life? A conscious pillar. Just like those soldiers had to make a conscious decision to say, I'm willing to be part of something that's tough. I'm willing to be part of something that's going to take my time. It's going to take my focus. It's going to take my energy. Are you willing to be like those soldiers and say, I'm ready to be focused 
with my life. And I want to worship. I want this to be a pillar of who I am. A focused pillar of who I am is worshiping God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. What I'd like us to do, if you just close your eyes, bow your heads. God can speak to you much better than I can. For just a moment, would you listen? What is the Spirit saying to you?